The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Very important show today. The question I ask you is, are you living as if every moment matters? You know, we... uh, we get so caught up in, in minutia in our lives, in the world, and um, we stop paying attention to what's really important. Well, this is a perfect time to stop and ask ourselves, am I savoring the stuff of life or just letting the days rush by in a blur? And if we have to be honest with ourselves, we have to admit that most of our days and most of our moments, we are letting rush by in a blur as we run to... Sh- do shopping or get caught in traffic or listen to the news or sit and watch television or um, on and on and on. Uh, my guest is a return guest to the show, John St. Augustine. He, his first book, he was on talking about his first book called Living an Uncommon Life, Essential Lessons from 21 Extraordinary People. And I must say, John, this is a less, this book... <laughs> Uh, contains lessons from one extraordinary person, you, and they are amazing lessons. Um, In the book, Every Moment Matters, Savoring the Stuff of Life, which is John's new book, he shares his aha moments in order to help us live more consciously and more powerfully. And um, I sat down to read this... (laughs) And I was not prepared <laughs> for just how moving and how emotional and how, you know, intense, um, in a good way, the, all, each of these stories are, each of these stories that talk about moments in John's life. And, um, but they are, you know, there is no fluff. <laughs> it, they are all, they all really uh, get to the reader by by talking about things in such a in, in an entertainer and entertaining and literary way but a way that really packs an emotional punch. So welcome to the show John. Carol, so good to be back with you. You know, I'm a I'm a a huge fan of what you do and what you've been doing for all these years to really you know, not only wake people up but keep them awake once you've got them awake. And uh I'm really glad to be back with you. Well, thank you. I try. <laughs> You do more um, try. You, you succeed. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I want to also mention before we get into the book, because I know once we get into the book, we're not going to get out. Um, <laughs> some of John's uh, credits, amazing credits, is that he helped launch the Oprah and Friends XM satellite radio network. He was the man behind the uh, success. 
And uh, he also does a nationally syndicated radio vignette uh, called Power Thoughts. And, um, well, I could go on, but I know you want to get to the book, and so do I. Let's start by talking about the, the preface of the book, which is, you know, that kind of gives the reader a hint of what is to come, how emotional it's going to be. And that preface talks about what made you think about beginning this book. So tell us about that. I'm happy to. You know, it's uh, it's very emotional for me even when I... First, let me say thanks, not only for the time to spend with you, but as a writer, as you know, when somebody outside of yeah. you gets value out of words you've written or a message that you hope to convey, uh, that's that's just, you know, some serious brown gravy on the potatoes. There's no yeah. doubt about it. When I was a kid, my dad uh, was an avid reader, and he's been gone quite a while now. My mom's been gone a long time, and... Uh, you know, I, I, it's one of those things you wish they were around kind of to see your success. But for me, yeah. the greatest thing in my life is to have my name on the spine of a book. It just, it just means so much to me. And that, you know, should my world end today at 5 o'clock, uh, parts of me will live on, whether it's on the radio in uh, eternal reruns or uh, in somebody's bookshelf. So it's a great thing. But the, the, the real impetus for this book uh, came from my daughter's graduation back in 2007, and uh, she was the, the commencement speaker and all those type of things, in which for most people whose kids graduate from high school, it's a big deal, but it's not that big a deal, you know. Well, for me, it's a big deal because it was just years earlier, a few years earlier, that I donated a kidney to save her life. And to see her as a whole person and walk across that stage and give the commencement address, sounding like her old man and knowing that in more ways than one, we are bound uh, by uh, great thinking and what we want to do in our lives, I started to realize, uh, you know, how proud I was of that and how amazing that was for our family. And we had set up in the, the den uh, these big uh, backboards with all kind of pictures on them. And it started out with the very first picture we had of her as a baby. And, uh, and it went through her life up to the graduation day, baseball and Girl Scouts and volleyball and all that. And I was sitting there, oh, very early in the morning, and I can still see it if I close my eyes. It's a little bit of snow here in Upper Michigan. It wasn't like that back in June of 07 when I started writing. And I realized, looking at those pictures, Carol, that I had missed a lot of those moments. And thank God for Kodak, you know, that they came along and invented a camera so we could go back and look at that. And the, the, the thought of, of her, you know, her life going on and being captured in those images and that there were things that I had missed and some things I had been there for, and they were this really this amazing kaleidoscope of emotions coming over me. <clears throat> so that started the ball rolling. And then a couple days later, we were putting the pictures back into the, the giant, uh, uh, I guess you could say, uh, Kodak landfill, which is a Rubbermaid most people have in their house. We take all these pictures and throw them in a huge box. We were going through each one of these pictures, and I was looking at these other images. And at one point, my son Andy says to me, hey, Dad, who is this guy in this picture? And he showed it to me. And it was a, a figure of a man walking down the side of a mountain, and, and I looked at it. It was kind of grainy. It was snowing out, and I turned it over, and it said, Coal Creek, Colorado, 1983. He said, who is this guy? He's really, he looks like you, but he's a lot skinnier. <laughs> and I said, that is me. And that really started the ball rolling about you know, where I've been in my life and what I have learned and go, going back and remembering that trip in Colorado and how 30 years later, the lessons that I learned there had transformed me and transformed over the years. And that's really how it started. I think we, you know, we all have right under our noses our own legacy, and we don't spend time with it. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, do you think 
Well, I know, um, well, when you donated your kidney for your daughter, do you think that that has um, made you more cognizant of making every moment count? Well, without question, that was the topper on the cake because, uh, you know, if, if you read Living an Uncommon Life, my first book, uh, it recounts how at the age of 19 I had a severe electrical uh, at the time, we called it an accident. As I've matured, I called it an incident. And I was basically gone. You know, I had no heartbeat and all like that. And it was only through the, uh, you know, the efforts of a pharmacist who happened to stay late at the place I was working in Chicago and a bunch of things lining up that I was able to survive that. That was when I was 19. At 27, two weeks after I got married, uh, we were in a very, very devastating uh, car accident, hit broadside by a drunk driver. That was wake-up call number two. I had no pulse again, and I was able to get out of that. So those two were major wake-up calls. And then to come along and to say, look, uh, your daughter is dying through no fault of your hers or yours or anybody's. It's what she was born with. And against all odds, you have the opportunity to save her life. I mean, that really, 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 really hits home. And unfortunately, Carol, like most things we see in the news and, and hear in the paper, uh, until something takes up residence, squat in your backyard or in your back pocket, whether it's a disease or what have you, we ignore this stuff until the universe comes knocking. So, yes, it was, it was a huge thing, and it very cognizant of the fact that a one floor below us where we were doing this uh, kidney swap, for lack of a better term, okay. there were three young people waiting in waiting rooms, uh, and somebody else had had to die for them to live. Mm. And when you're in that position, and it's not just you're waiting for you know, the, the buzzer to go off a month later, and hopefully you can harvest an organ, and hopefully somebody was conscious enough to sign their donor card, but when, you, when, you, when they come to you and say your daughter's dying and you're the only one at this point that can do anything about it, uh, that, that tends to make you stand up, take notice, and it doesn't leave you for a very long time, if ever. Yes, and it makes, well, I mean, not only to make you more conscious, of course, of her life and the length of her days uh, and how precarious it was hanging in the balance at that time, but also your own life. Oh, no question. I Look, you know, I was 43 when that was done. I'm 52, so we're going on 10 years here. And, you know, you, after you've been through some things, you kind of feel a little bit bulletproof, and <laughs> you realize that you're not, and you're, and you're not going to live forever. And that's a, a, a trick of the ego that somehow everything's, you know, that's what humans have, that, that thing, Carol. I'm sure you deal with it all the time. Everything else will happen to someone else because my picture is not in the obituary page today, you know? Yeah. And, and that's not true. So for me, the wake-up call was profound, and I really started getting about my business, especially the way that some of the healings happened for me and my family through all this. Uh, it was profound, and I already had that in me. I think I came to the planet with this curiosity gene ramped up a little bit higher than most people, but it really kicked in. And now, you know, as I write in the book, you know, I feel like my head's on a swivel. I could, uh, it doesn't take much for me to go off on a tangent, whether it's a snowflake or a jetliner landing or can I go skin diving or something. I am so fully invested in life now, it's actually irritating to most people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think because people are jealous. I mean, you know, um, because they realize, because, you know, that is part of the resistance that you may um, have already uh, come across, that, that people, you know, recognize what you have to say, I mean, once you explain it and so on. Um, Oh, are we, you know, to some degree, not as eloquently as, as you have written it down or as emotionally, but, you know, we, we come across that message from time to time in, in life. But, you know, the way that you voice it, um, 
I would I would imagine that sometimes you get some resistance because people, in order to sort of accept or agree with what you are saying, making how important it is to make every moment count, they have to acknowledge within themselves that there have been a lot of moments that they haven't made count. Well, there's no question, and you know who wants to do that? Just about nobody. So. It, it, is, it is really going against the grain. I've always been the guy, if everybody's going down, I go up, and if everybody's coming out, I go in. I, I've, I don't know why I'm that way. I, I've been, my life has kind of cultivated me to move that direction. <laughs> and I feel in many, many ways, the older I get, more like I'm supposed to do it and say what needs to be said no matter what. Back in the day when I was younger, you know, I was you know, kind of you know, get an attitude and you kind of say what you want to say. But now it's deeper and more profound to be, whether it's one-on-one or in front of a thousand people or what have you, or being on the air or whatever it is, is to say, look, I'm going to tell you something. And, and you have to work with the end in mind, because if you don't work backwards with the end in mind, you're fooling yourself that you have forever to make the changes that you want to make. And so the truth is, anybody listening to the show, you, me, I don't care who it is, um, if we make the average lifespan in this country, the average life expectancy, it's just about 77, 78 years, somewhere in there, that's just over 28,000 days you get to play yourself. And if you don't start working backwards from that and start realizing the clock's ticking, it, you come up against these things in life, these moments that truly matter, and you blow them off because we're not conscious. And my work, has the more conscious I get, the more conscious I hope the people that read my books or go out, hear me speak, or hear my radio shows become in the process. Yes, and you know, of course... Um, I mean, we have a 78 or so, 79-year-old year lifespan at this time, but um, that's in terms of a biological, natural right. death um, yeah. as compared to accidents that could happen tomorrow to, to anyone, no matter how old they are, or, of course, the threat of terrorism, which is something that I'm passionate about, trying to wake people up to, uh, to make every moment count and to, to prepare themselves. Um, psychologically and physically for living under this constant threat. So it's not, you know, we can't even count on the 78 or 79 years. Absolutely not. And you know, the other part of it is too, just because you're uh, upright and breathing doesn't mean you're alive. Yes, absolutely. Well, we will talk more about these things and some of the stories that you have in your book, which are just like amazing. Um, my guest today is John St. Augustine. His book is Every Moment Matters. Savoring the Stuff of Life. It's a wonderful gift for yourself and for people you care about. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. 
Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is the fabulous John St. Augustine and his fabulous book that has had me in tears. Oh. <laughs> Wait, you know I don't what? mean that to sound. Well, I was going to say, everybody, you know it what? Moved I gotta say, me. Carol, I got to tell you, I don't think anyone's ever been, I've ever been called fabulous, so thank you. <laughs> okay, well, good. You deserve it. Thank his, you. his fabulous book also is called Every Moment Matters. Savoring the Stuff of Life. And um, before we get into some of the stories of your aha moments that um, really work well to convey without, you know, it's not that you're not telling people, you're not hitting people over the head with this message, you're actually showing them through taking them on a journey of your aha moments, which is, of course, so powerful. Um, and, and sticking with the premise for a little bit longer, um, you talk about how one of the things that gets in the way of our savoring these um, moments is our constant quest for material goods. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, sure. Right before Black Friday, you want me to get into yes. that, huh? <laughs> you know, it is interesting. It's, it's, it's quite a quandary we have in this country especially, of course, all over the world, but here in the United States where we're, we're all hanging out. You know, we, we live in a capitalistic society. Buying and selling things is the way of the world. It's the way that it works. Nothing inherently wrong with that. And it's nothing inherently wrong to have things. What's difficult is when the things have you. Okay. There's a problem. 
So when you know you identify with the car or the house, this is you know tried and true age old stuff. Uh, you lose yourself. It's just the bottom line, and and it's much like doing the jobs that we do or or the vocation we have when you're not doing it. And if you think that's who you are and it stops, you think you're nobody, and that yeah. is so far from the truth. So. It was. I had a friend of mine who uh, a couple of years ago bought the new some new phone, I, iPhone. I couldn't even tell. There was a waiting line for this phone, and she got all the way up to the front. She had this uh, um, uh, like a voucher for like half off or something, and she got all. This was so funny to me. She got all the way to the front of the line. It was waiting for an hour for this cool phone that has all the bells and whistles, right? So it makes you feel like you really got something going on in your life. And she got up to the front, and only to find out because she was an existing customer of this company already, she didn't get the voucher. Oh, wow. And she was so disappointed. She said, John, I turned around to walk out, and I looked at all those people in line and thought, I must be out of my mind. <laughs> and it's those little aha moments like that that make you realize that everything that you've bought, everything that you think you own, you know, you think you own your house? Talk to the 7 million people who lost their homes because they couldn't pay for it. You don't own anything. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you own is the moment. All the rest of the stuff at the end of the day or at the end of your 77.6 years is either one of two things, Carol. It's either A, a garage sale, mm-hmm. or B, an estate sale, depending on how your relatives like you. And so that's the point. Is we have, And you and I were talking about this on the break, and I think it's worth sharing, is that the human mind is in its infinite capacity, its amazing wisdom, doesn't know what reality is. That's why they can get away with putting on, quote, reality shows that we think are real and they're produced reality, but we buy into it. Yes. That's why we can sit, and again, this isn't a bad or good thing. It's exchanging the moments, the breath that you have for other things that are not part of your reality, but you think they are. So to sit watching people dancing for weeks on end, <laughs> and you don't go dancing instead, yes. makes no sense to me. But that's, that's going against the grain stuff. So I, get, I talk about in the book, you know, it, it is a maze of madness that we're in because we... Every, the minute you buy the new PDA, it's obsolete. The moment you get the new phone, it's obsolete. We always want bigger, faster, stronger. And why is that? Because my observation is is that we, we connect ourselves with this. And when that new and improved comes along, we have that little bath we swim in for a little honeymoon period. Going, Look, I have this too. And then when it's obsolete, we need to upgrade ourselves. Instead of doing the internal excavation and not worrying about the things, we connect ourselves outwardly. And when those things aren't there, we, we have this, this turmoil in our lives, not to mention the fact that most of us can't afford the stuff we got anyway. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you want to be cool, and so you think that if you, if you buy this new thing um, or if you live in a cool place or whatever it is, then you're cool instead of doing the internal work to make yourself cool instead of trying to pretend to everybody that you are cool. It's because, you know, we don't really believe we are cool or we are this or that, whatever it is that we want to be inside and it's just so much easier to buy something than to do the work to, I mean, certainly in therapy, for example, you know, it's, people, it's hard work. And so people um, would rather just have the external appearance of whatever it is that they want to be seen as. Well, my observation has been, and again, you have the degrees on the wall, and I don't in that direction, but my observation is after half a century on the planet, which I almost hate to admit, but, but what comes for me is that, you know, the validation to being on the planet and being part of the human race is a daunting task. It's almost, I mean, it's, it's really overwhelming. And the fact of the matter is, is that once you start replacing your value with other things that you think have value that, that depreciate, isn't it amazing? I mean, we all complain about it. You can go out and buy a brand new Chevy Camaro today and the minutes off the lot within X amount of time, it's already a bit less worth, worth less. 
Yes. Because somebody decided that. Well, humans, we're the opposite. The longer we're around, the yes. more value we should be gaining on ourselves. So all the things that are out there that we think will replace who we are and that we're going to feel better about, they depreciate. The fact of the matter is life and being in every moment as fully as you can is appreciating. Yes, absolutely. Um, yes, it's sometimes, you know, sometimes um, when when I'm getting get into a philosophical mood, I have long thought, actually, pondered the possibility that um, wouldn't it be funny or wouldn't it be, I don't know, ironic, interesting, um, if we were really in a kind of fishbowl and in a giant zoo and people were watching us, just like we go to the zoo and we look at the different cages or, you know, exhibits of different animals, um, we think what we value or what we think is going on in the world could well be a totally false reality, and actually we're in some zoo exhibit, and there are other beings walking around looking at us. You know, I think I saw that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what it was called. But, you know, you're absolutely right, and don't we do that to each other anyway in some ways? Look, um, this is a really interesting, well, it's always an interesting political climate, isn't it? I mean, that we go back and forth to do our thing. And I was at, I, I, this thought came to me about 10 years ago, and I used it especially when I go out and finish up my speaking engagements. And, I say, and I've never had anybody raise their hand and answer this the way that I asked them. And I say, you know, if you, if you look at our landscape and how we treat each other, really it breaks down to, you know, Democrats, Republicans, what have you, conservatives, liberal, blah, blah, blah. Have you ever gone through a cemetery and saw a headstone that said Democrat, Republican, mm. liberal, or, or uh, conservative on it? Never. And so we spend our time in something that at the end of our days yes. means nothing. And so we look at the way we, we divide ourselves from each other. And so in many ways, when we turn on the news or turn on the television, we are watching like alien life forms going, are you kidding me? Really? She said that? He said yes. that? And so we, we, we are, I think we're kind of in our own fishbowl, don't you think? Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's really very sad. Um, and, and a lot of people do this too because, of of the intensity, um, you know, of, of being afraid of getting so close. And let's talk talking about intensity because this is this is some intensity you can read and not be not be afraid of, and it wakes you up just like it. The experiences woke John up. Um, why don't you pick one of the the stories in the book that you like, one of your favorites, and um, and talk about that? You know, the one I hear most about is the one about my dad. And, oh, I read that. Yes, yeah. it was wonderful. And 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 you know, it, you know, this time of year around the holidays and stuff, you know, he's been gone six years. My mom's gone since '97, so going on 13 years. And it is like everything else; we take these things for granted. I know that you work with people all the time, and we have issues with our parents. And to me, it's a whole thing's a setup. It, it is set up this way. We're supposed to have these difficulties. We're supposed to have these challenges with the people that brought us to the planet. We're supposed to have that. So we look in the mirror and we find our way through them see who they really are, and then find ourselves in that process. But the, the story in the book talks about my dad, who, as a kid growing up in the 50s, was all about science fiction and uh, loved to scare the crap out of people. He thought, you know, Dracula should run for president. You know, it was a really wild thing. And it was his alter ego. He was a banker. He was a, a guy who liked to read a lot, as I mentioned earlier. And so when Halloween would roll around, he would turn our basement of our home into this haunted house. And for maybe 12, 13, 14 years, Hundreds of people from all over the city of Chicago would come and get the crap scared out of him, and he was able to do this and, and have a great time. And he also loved science fiction, Star Trek. Anything to do with that had his attention. Well, 
back in uh, 2002, he, he was got very sick, and uh, you know it was obviously a couple years later that he wasn't going to be around. This had been quite a process, and and uh, I got a phone call one day from my sister saying he's in the hospital. You need to come, and uh, he can't leave until you get here. And I knew she was right because, and I didn't want to go see him because I knew once I got there, two things were going to happen. Carol, one is I was going to see this man who brought me into the into the world die, and the second thing was. Well, that means if he goes, I'm next in line. Yes. And goes back to how we started this conversation. Who wants to admit that? So driving to Chicago, I had all these memories of him growing up and the great things he did for me and all like that, and also the difficulties that we had because it all comes to the top. That's the thing about death. It's the great equalizer. And I know we come back from the break. I want to kind of expand on that a little bit. Yes, absolutely. This is one of the, this is an incredible story. Uh, my guest today is John St. Augustine. His book is Every Moment Matters, Savoring the Stuff of Life. And that's what we're talking about on Dr. Carol's Couch today. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, so please stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. 
If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with John St. Augustine, whose latest book is called Every Moment Matters, Savoring the Stuff of Life. Before the break, John was telling us about one of the stories in his book, um, about his father. It's one of the one of the ones that made me cry, but uh, but there were several. <laughs> so go ahead, continue. Well, you know, I was recounting about how I was on my way to Chicago when he was in the hospital, and he was his time was very limited. And the truth is, all our times are limited, and that's just the way it is. But uh, he knew his time was limited, and it was coming down to it. When I got to the hospital, um, I went in. My sister said he says that the Star Trek crew, Captain Kirk. Spock, Bones, the whole nine yards, Mr. Sulu, all showed up in his bedroom, you know, in the, in the hospital room, and they wanted him to leave with them, but he couldn't because he didn't know the answer to the questions they were asking. He was supposed to do something, and he says, you know the answer. And I thought, oh, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I mean, first off, it's tough enough to go into that situation, yes. but, but I have no idea what's going on. So I walk into the room, and he looks at me, and he says, where the hell you been? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And I said, well, I, sorry, Dad, I live five hours away, so... We started talking back and forth, and I said, I heard the Star Trek crew had come to, to kind of check on him. And he was very angry. He said, yeah, I wanted to go with them. They'd been here twice. I have to know these answers to these questions. I'm supposed to go in and take care of these enemies, and, and I don't know the answer, but you do. And, you know, I didn't know what to do, Carol. I, I, I put a rag on his forehead. He was kind of sitting there, and I kind of just sat next. I said, okay, Dad. I sat in the chair next to him, and I started to think about when I was a kid, oddly enough, that, that when we were – playing around in the yard and stuff when Star Trek was a big deal in the 60s and early 70s, uh, he would grab me and some of the other neighborhood boys by the head and he'd say, you know, we're doing the Vulcan mind melt and all this Dr. Spock stuff. And it occurred to me and I thought, whatever he's battling, whatever's going on, uh, the enemies within him, he needs to use his mind to do that. And for a guy who was a banker and, and very cerebral in many ways, I thought that's where it's got to be. So I said, Dad, Remember how Spock used to use the Vulcan mind melt on all the enemies, you know, the Klingon stuff? And he said, yeah. And I said, I think that's what I'm, you're supposed to do to go fight the enemies inside. There were three of them, as he told me, and I didn't know what they were. But then it shortly occurred to me as he closed his eyes, and literally his face was twitching and his eyes were rolling around, that the three things in there, one, he had a kidney transplant a few years earlier, totally unrelated to what my daughter had gone through. Hmm. He had had cancer in his body, and, and obviously that was a problem. And then his feet were horribly disfigured from arthritis and things over the years, and it was causing him great pain. And as he closed his eyes, and I knew he was inside battling, I thought, who, you know, to be there that moment, to see him doing what he has to do, to go out the way that he decided he was going to go out. Now, some people may say it was dementia, what have you, it doesn't matter to me, but it, it occurred to me that how his life had been, I've heard many times, you die the way you live. And so for my dad, the science fiction, all this stuff mm. made sense that, the Star Trek crew would show up. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he, he calmed down after a while. I went out into the waiting room, felt he was going to take a little nap, and I turned on the TV, and what is on television but Star Trek Four, where Kirk and Spock and Bones are come to the, to the Earth to save these whales or something. I'd never even seen the movie, and I thought, are you kidding me? Mm. What are the odds of that? I caught the last 15 minutes of it, and you know from reading the book, the next movie that came on at 4 o'clock in the morning was Dracula with Christopher Lee, and I just could not believe it. And I fell asleep in the chair. About 7 a.m., the nurse woke me up, says, you need to come now, call your, your sister, it's time. 
And I went in to see my dad, and he was very peaceful at that point. And eventually, of course, he passed. And to be there when he passed away brought 51 years of, of, of thoughts and memories and things that I realized that thank, I was so thankful to have those moments with him. And I thought of all the times in the past that I had blown him off and didn't make the phone call and didn't forgive him, and I thought he should be different than he was, and all this stuff that's just mind flotsam. And the most amazing thing, I thought nobody's going to believe this, but afterwards my, uh, a cousin's wife was also at the same time, and she saw that, couldn't believe it. And I re- started to realize at that moment that whatever you want to define magic as, whatever you want to define spirit as, whatever you want to define um, God as, I had experienced it in the death of my dad. And by him passing away the way he did in, in, in his choice, the way it went, even though I didn't understand it, I felt more alive by him leaving, which is not what I expected to come out of this. And so that chapter, Captain Dracula, really recounts one guy who really never made it past, you know, went to high school, came up short a year in college, went about his business, did the parent-teacher stuff. His name is only remembered in our family. He didn't do anything great, didn't write books, didn't do radio shows, did none of those things. I wouldn't be who I am today if he wasn't who he was. And so much in our lives, especially when it's our parents, we don't take the time to see that. And if there's nothing else you and I do in this radio hour together, I'm telling you now, kids, with the holidays coming and the rest of this stuff, after 52 years, and Carol, I'm sure at some point when you have people on your couch, you say the most powerful tools you have in the world are forgiveness and love. Well, and of course... um Yes, and of, of course, as, as it relates to one's parents, you know, the incredible influence that one's parents have on everything, on, on who you choose as a partner, on, on, yep. on what you do with, with your life. I mean, it was very interesting, and I just want to make sure, because I don't know that you mentioned this, and I want to make sure that my listeners, listeners understand that, um, I don't know if you mentioned that your father used to play Dracula at the Haunted House. At the Haunted House. He, he, haunted yeah, house. He, the haunted house. he actually, signif- we actually buried him in his Dracula's cape. He, he, he literally became Dracula for like the month of October. <laughs> it was great. Yes, and so that was what the significance was yes. of that. You know, it's so interesting because you write about how um, your father's parents got divorced right around the time that that um, he was in college, and that it was because of that, you know, that he, he dropped out to help your yep. mother, his mother, um, support herself and so on. And he had wanted to be an architect, and, and it, kind of that dream mm-hmm. sort of got lost along the way. And then he got married and had children, and he, yep. you know, went into banking and was successful in that, but had given up the stream. And it's so interesting because obviously, obviously that did have a profound effect on you, you to bet. make you um, go after your dream and to leave a legacy, to want to be very conscious about what you're leaving. You know, the books and the radio shows, like you were mentioning, um, so that. And and particularly to concentrate on on making every moment matter, Carol. Without question, that that's like the hidden gem in all this. You know, our parents are there. Uh, everything you said is true. I, I believe that it's a setup that we have these people in our lives for a reason, and eventually we become them or we don't. And I think that's the gift in this. I could have become my dad. I could have went into banking and followed that route. And I remember that this voice inside said, "He's teaching you how to live fully by him." having to not live fully. He did the mm-hmm. things you said. He, he paid the bills, did all that. He paid a price for not paying the price. And for me, it became very... I'll remember one specific time. I don't remember the date, but I was a young kid, and I saw him walking home with his head down after a long day at the bank. And my first thought was, of course, you know, as a kid, we do it. It must be something I did, because it's all about us. Mm-hmm. 
And then I realized years later it wasn't about that. He was flat wore out. And after talking to him at the end of his life, saying he, his biggest regret was not finishing college and you know, going into architecture and doing these things, he never had to tell me to go out and finish my life. I just decided that I would finish his for him. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, it's, it's interesting. You, um, there's so much, I mean, well, to bring home this idea of every moment matters, there's so much life and, de- and death um, that you talk about in the book. I mean, starting off with the story about your dog, Big Jake, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, how, and realizing what his death, uh, meant to you, you know, when you had to, after his 12 years, when you had to put him down, um, you know, how painful that was to you and, and, and what you realized that you were, what, the, what kind of loss that was. Yeah, anybody that has a pet, I don't care if it's a hamster or a greyhound or a cat, we have these connections with these four-leggeds that are, is just incredible, and, you know, they are great teachers in our lives. And I really, you know, that, that particular chapter, I was in Aspen, Colorado, about a month and a half ago, signing books and, and did a, a party at a home and, and like that. And I read that chapter. I could never make it through all the way without crying my eyes out. I don't yes. care how tough I think I am. <laughs> yes, and, I... you know, and, and, and it come, you know, to have that him as a companion all these years, those years, those 12 years I was with him. And, and uh, the way that I got him, he was, you know, in, a, in a, like a foster care home and he was, you know, a throwaway dog. And he was in this little cage in the corner. And I think when I freed him, I kind of freed myself in a lot of ways. So many things, almost like our parents in a way, that these animals we call into our lives and that we bring into our lives teach us so many different things. And when those teachings are gone, like when we lose a parent or a pet, then we go, oh, yeah, you know, it's just... And, and for me, the, the big aha with Jake was, you know, there was a lot of them, but one of the big ones, if I could be half the man that he saw me as, man, I got it, I got it nailed. And yeah. I struggle every day to think about that unconditional love and you know, and, and do I greet people like he greeted me the best way that I can? You know, you know <laughs> am I always happy to see people, those type of things? And that is the, the bliss of, of those animals that come into our lives. And, you know, I have not replaced him. I don't know that I ever could. You hear that a lot. You know, people have a certain dog for a long time, and they're like, oh, get another one. I'm thinking, ah. And I'm not ready for that. I have a cat. She does pretty good. But uh, <laughs> uh, but there are certain animals, I think they're almost like guides for us. They come into our lives at certain times. We make that connection and when they're not there, like everything else in our life, we, we take it for granted. And making every moment matter is about not taking things for granted, to understand in the moment the importance of them. And I think that's when you're on the other side of that stuff. Yes, it's like uh, walking down the street. You know, it's like you get in your car and you drive from point A to point B. And if you uh, so we're, we're so lost in, in distracting thoughts that many times if you ask somebody what they saw along the, well, along the way, you know, if it's the ocean, the beauty of the ocean, or trees, or bushes, or flowers, or, or you know, uh, kids playing in a park, or whatever it is, they've missed it. And that's such a metaphor for what we miss in life. We get from point A to point B, and, um, and we've missed so much along the way. Well, you know, this, we could do a whole series, you and I, together about why we are the way we are, but... You know, the, we have a very uh, ancient reptilian brain stem set up. The way it's fight or flight, and we see things in a certain way, and we get conditioned very, very easily. So easy uh, conditioning for humans. And I think my work is about undoing the conditioning to, to go against the grain. So you, so you find sometimes it's the absurd, but it's also the obvious. And until you start doing that, I think you're toast. I think you're toast. I think we all walk around for the most part in these walking comas, uh, we're functional. 
but we're not free. And when you get free, you realize how unfunctional you really were, and it's very difficult. Breaking free from your belief system, what was done to you, what wasn't done to you, all those things is a lifelong process. And I'm saying that, you know, if your job is not to wake everybody else up. I don't mean you personally, but our job as humanity is not to wake everybody else up. Our job is to become fully awake ourselves. And then in the process of that, if somebody else comes along, reads a book, go, you know what, I ought to make that phone call, or I ought to do this, mm-hmm. or I ought to do that, and then they become awake. Because I've realized that if you go out and tell people they're asleep, it just ticks them off. You should never wake up sleepwalkers. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is like sleepwalkers. That's a very good point. Yeah. Well, um... I think in our in our next segment we will um, we will give some of those um, thoughts to people. Let people uh, help people to uh, you know what, what do we do now? Now that we have been waking up a bunch of sleepwalkers who are listening, yeah. um, uh, where do we go from here? So we'll talk about that. Right. And uh, so let's take a break now. My guest is Saint is John Saint Augustine. His book that you have to get is Every Moment Matters. Savoring the stuff of life. It's a really, you know, I was saying it's very emotional and very intense, but in a really good way that does help to wake you up without, you know, saying you should wake up. So um, when we come back, we'll talk more about that. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, John St. Augustine, whose great book is fabulous, Every Moment Matters, Savoring the Stuff of Life. And uh, during the break, I was just giving John a, a heads up that I was going to ask him about uh, some experience that he had with a bad girl, since my new book is just out, Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secret, that um, where, you know, if someone is in a relationship where um, they are with, let's say, for the purposes of this time and, and this book, uh, with a bad girl, and uh, who is not helping them to savor each moment, um, because of being just very needy and so on. And, and just to, for those of you who didn't listen to last week's show, um, basically I, I defined a bad girl as a woman who has had a dysfunctional relationship with her father, then went on to pick bad boys and got hurt by them, and then decided at some point that she was not lovable, was never going to get love, and instead was going to go out for something from a man. So like a gold digger goes out for gold, an addict goes out for an enabler, and so on down the line. There are 12 uh, what I call the dozen dangerous damsels. And so now it's time for me to, John, I know I kind of sprung this on you, but I'm hoping you have a, one of the dozen dangerous damsels to talk about as a lesson that relates to every moment matters. Well, you're absolutely right. And, you know, and I think, and I'm actually going to be in Chicago in a week or so at a relationship conference kind of thing, speaking. And, and you know, there has been someone in my life who was, like they call him an emotional vampire. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that fits in with your damsels of distress and destruction over there, but um, you know, you, I've come to realize for me, being in that relationship, was not only was it important, and, and I could see where I took the role that she, the, the, the unfinished business that she had with her father, was apparent to me. It, was, it became one of like this giant billboard. But it also occurred to me that there were parts of her that I called in to take care of business that I had not finished with my mom. Yes, and so while there's a grand dance going on there, and that's what I'm going to be speaking about in Chicago, is that's more of the setup for me, is that, you know, there's a, a, I wish I would have coined this phrase. There's a, a psychologist named Dr. Terry Reel who said, we always marry our unfinished business. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if you don't finish your business, it continues with the next person, the next person. They just keep showing up in different forms. So, yes, I, I totally understand that. I totally get it. It's a lot of pain involved in that. But the lessons that I learned out of it was is that, you know, if I call this person in my life for a reason. They say reasons and seasons. Some of the times those seasons are very, very long. And uh, I, I can relate to that. And, you know, they say that which hurts instructs. And a lot of relationship stuff is very painful. And if you don't get it, as you pointed out, whether you're the, the, the woman or the man, uh, the men, I think, we just go out and find somebody to replace it and see what we can do with it and, you know, how that works and then try to cultivate that the best we can. And, I, I, you know, I'm fascinated by your work in that other direction saying, Women go out and then they, they, they sometimes want to inflict pain that they had without trying to resolve what the inner work has to be done. So humans, huh? What are you going to do with them? <laughs> well, you know, if we, can, what we're, if we can do what we're doing, which is to make people more conscious of making every moment matter, the bad girls as well as the prey that they, yeah. the men that they prey upon. So how can... Um, our listeners now um, who, who we've awakened, <laughs> mm-hmm. I like the way you put that, this, this 
awakening awakening sleepwalking people doesn't uh, usually end up well. So how can we tie this all up now and um, give people some things to go away with that will ease them into making every moment count, besides, of course, buying your book? Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, there's a couple of quick tips that anybody can do, and, I, and you and I spoke about it earlier in the show. I don't know if we were on the air at that point, but, you know, this is a cause for hope. When you wake up, you realize you've been asleep, and that's celebration stuff to me. It's not to go, oh, my God, look at all the time I wasted. It's to wake up and say, look what the time I'm going to utilize to the fullest whatever time I have left, whether it's another day or another, you know, 10 years. So the first thing I tell people is when in doubt, write it out, which means, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in the rush of life, and then you develop uh, TMS, which is troubled mind syndrome. Hmm. And so when, when, you know, we, we spend more time cleaning out our computers than we do our brains. So when life's really squeezing you, and you know what happens when you squeeze humans? What? All kind of crap comes out. You squeeze orange juice, you get orange juice. You squeeze humans, you never know what's going to come out. So the best thing to do is take a piece of paper and pencil or pen or whatever have you, or even your computer, and just get these thoughts out of your head. Put them on a piece of paper, put them in your computer, delete them, whatever you want. You've got to clean out you know, and, and delete your history, for lack of a better term, and get that stuff out and make room for other things. The second thing is you got to do is you got to record it. We all have cell phones that have cameras on them, which is mind-blowing to me, but I take pictures all the time of little things, like this, there, there's this flower that I can't identify on the trellis next to my house, and it's snowing, and it's still there. I'm going, what is that still doing there? Mm. So I want to remember that in the middle of January and remember mm. that. So capture those moments, and it's not just sticking the camera in your face or you and your girlfriend or your boyfriend when you're out to dinner and acting stupid. It's look at nature around you. Look at the people around you. Take those images, capture them, and remember what was going on at that time and use it to your advantage. One of the big ones for me, though, is that you go out and get a kitchen timer, like the little, the little hourglass. You know, it's like a little wooden thing with yes, the sand the egg in it. Timer. Yeah, when you really feel burned out and you think that life's doing you wrong, tip it over, and two things are going to happen. One is take a deep breath and let that egg timer do its thing when the sand goes down and just breathe through that, and then flip it back and think about something that really made your day until the sand runs out again. You may have to go back and forth a few times, but the idea is to realize that time is moving. And you have no way of stopping it. And so you better learn how to manipulate it the best way you can. So when you turn that timer over, A, you let that angst run out. B, flip it over again and start to see something that was good in your life that day. Balance it out. And then C, realize the sands of time are running whether you like it or not. Yes, and we can't turn the egg timer of our lives (laughs) back like we would like to. No, and I think one of my favorites uh, is uh, invoking recess, you know, a lot of the schools got rid of recess, and you're probably not going to have a time when your boss walks in and says, go outside and play, here's a Hulu, <laughs> take five minutes to yourself. We have to invoke recess at some point during our day, even if it's just five minutes. If you go outside and you feed the squirrels, two things are going to happen. The squirrels will appreciate it, hmm. and it'll stop you from going nuts. And I mentioned earlier about reading the obituaries. I'm not kidding. I was at a friend of mine's uh, wake about two weeks ago. He's only 50. He would have turned 50 this past week. Hmm. He's behind three daughters. Young man, life ahead of him. Squeezed the last couple years out of his life. Did amazing things when he found out he had cancer. The truth is, let me just interject this quickly. We all have cancer cells. Mm-hmm. Some people's activate, some don't. I don't know why, but we all have it. We all have it. We're all terminal. Nobody gets out of life alive. And I told somebody when I came back from his wake, I said, you know, maybe we should go to people's wakes once a week, even mm-hmm. if we don't know them, just to realize time is running out. So mm-hmm. look at the page, the obituary page, and if your picture's not there, get moving. And the last thing I would say is 
I'm not big on making resolutions because we forget those. But the, the key word in res- resolution is the word resolve. And resolve is defined as finding an answer to decide or declare. Even knowing that's not going to add years to your life, but I tell you that, it will add life to your years if you start resolving to make every moment matter. Yes, absolutely. Well, again, the name of the book is Every Moment Matters, Savoring the Stuff of Life. My guest is John St. Augustine. John, thank you so much. You really, uh, you really touched our hearts as well as making us think. And uh, I, this book, as I said, is just... Uh, it's, it's really a wake-up call, but a gentle wake-up call. Don't be afraid of it. <laughs> it's, it's time to wake up, especially now is a great time to, to do that. And while you're waking up and thinking about the relationships in your life, too, and, and what, whether you want to change any of those in the new year, whether you want to, if there's an emotional vampire uh, sucking the life out of your moments, and then um, if you're a guy uh, and that's happening... Or if you're a girl and you want your, uh, to have a chance at love in this new year, get my book, please. <laughs> I bought it, so I bought it. I wrote it so that you all can have a better chance at finding love uh, because time is running out and we do want to find it so that we can enjoy it before our time runs out. My website is uh, badgirlsbook.com. You can buy John's book all over. You can buy my book all over. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing these moments of your life with us and uh, do come back next week to Dr. Carol's Couch and I'm your psychiatrist host Happy Thanksgiving Dr. Carol Lieberman Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch Join us next week at 1pm Pacific Time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch We'll save you a seat